Ayurvedic doctors or practitioners can prescribe you an amazing diet plan. You could even have an Ayurvedic chef cooking you all of this amazing food, but you have to do the work. Right. I love that. Wow. Same thing with spirituality. It's we can read everything, we can hear everything, we can take the association of like-minded spiritual souls. But at the end, if we want transformation in our lives, we have to do it. Hello and welcome to another episode of For Soul's Sake, a podcast in which we aim to give you good, candid, honest conversations on spirituality and holistic wellness alongside a host of amazing guests. I want to thank each and every single one of you for joining me again this week to listen, learn, and grow together. And um, yeah, today we've got an awesome guest, someone that I genuinely appreciate. I appreciate all our guests, but today is a special one. I think it'll be, um, yeah, super interesting. Today we're joined by none other than Niti Shet. She is a highly successful Ayurvedic therapist and health content creator, sharing wisdom to the masses on improving well-being through the art and science of Ayurveda. Her journey in health began while studying nutrition at university in Australia. A one-hour seminar on Ayurvedic nutrition was a pivotal moment in her life. The basic principles of Ayurveda were so logical and practical that Niti felt that the need to study this further. She then traveled to India and studied at the world-renowned Vaidya Grama, an Ayurvedic healing village in South India. Over a number of years at one of Australia's leading Ayurvedic clinics, Back to Health, Niti started living her passion of Ayurveda through offering treatments, workshops, cooking demonstrations, and helping people adopt Ayurveda into their own lives. Niti has taken her wisdom, passion, and vision with her and is sharing that in her new home, England, thank God, with her knowledge of Ayurveda and helping to heal people through restorative Ayurvedic therapies. Niti, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's a great honor. We're friends, by the way. Anyone that <clears throat> didn't know, I've, I've known her for a while. We've uh, we've been connected through the, the space of bhakti yoga, through spiritual connections. And so this is going to be interesting because we get to dive into a new um, genre of topics, Ayurveda. Let me start quite controversially. Mm-hmm. Mm, Ayurveda. Is it really interesting? Is I've always found Ayurveda a little bit boring, if I'm completely honest. What why why did what was said in that seminar that made you go, This is something I want to do? So in that seminar it was yeah. just an hour and for me, when the basic concepts were explained, it just made sense. At university I had to I studied nutrition mm. and it was all about detail. It was like, okay, how much vitamin C, vitamin A, B, C, um, how much to take, what happens if you take too much, what happens if you don't take enough. There's different amounts to take for different um, genders, for different age groups. And it was like a lot of information being thrown at me. Mm. The other thing is modern health research is always changing. So five years ago, you could see a health article that said, you know, um, coffee is a protective effect against breast cancer. And then five years later, you'll find another one saying, actually, no, Drinking too much coffee will actually cause breast cancer. So everything, health right. health stats are always changing. And if you look at even health through the years, through the decades, before sugar was the enemy, then fats was the enemy. There's always something that we're like either scared of, we're demonizing, or something that we're putting on a pedestal. You know, blueberries, um, the new superfood, avocados. But when I heard about Ayurveda, 
everything was so simple and it was so logical. The principles that they were talking about, that they are still talking about, mm. they've been existing for over 5,000 years. Now, someone can hear of that and be like, okay, that's so old. But for me, the fact that it still works is that it's still existing today. If it was a useless science, something that didn't work, there wouldn't be Ayurvedic hospitals in India today. There wouldn't be Ayurvedic practitioners all around the world. Right. It would just be none. It would be extinct right. like the dinosaurs. Right. So t for me, Ayurveda, I was amazed that something that is unchanged for thousands of years is still effective today. And the second thing is there are a few basic principles. And once you grasp them and understand the fund fundamentals, you can apply that to any situation. So you don't have to know about how much vitamin C a 45-year-old female needs to have. And then... That's the part I was saying was going to be boring. Like, you know, finding out how much of, of this vitamin you need to, to be happy and sustained. And I don't think it should be interesting for everyone. Right. Like I was... Um, you guys were just talking about physics or something before. Yeah. And Behind the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> I have no interest in it. Right? <laughs> and, but 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 it's useful. Yeah. It's 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 amazing. Right. It has helped the world in so many ways. I don't think everyone needs to love Ayurveda. Mm. Um my family and friends definitely don't because they hear me talk about it all the time. Right. But there's definitely merit in it. And if you find something that resonates with you, and I think there's something in there for everyone. Wow. It's not just for the health conscious. Um, most of the people that sort of come into it are female. And the men that come into it, it's either like their wives or their sisters or their mothers being like, you should do this or you should do that. Um, I'm really glad you said that. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think you have to love it. But I think it definitely is for everyone. And, wow. and there's really cool parts about it. Like I'll tell you something. It's a bit out there. Let's do it. So the Ayurvedic god of medicine, his name is <clears throat> Danvantri. Okay. And in one of his four hands, he holds a leech. A now, leech? A leech. Okay. Like, like a blood-sucking leech. And, okay. And you're like, what the? But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but one of my Ayurvedic mentors, she explained to me that there's an Ayurvedic therapy called Rakta Moksha, where a it's called bloodletting. Okay. And they use leeches for that because leeches oh. go under the skin they suck out the bad blood from the body and then they're discarded. But the Ayurvedic doctors herald the leeches in so much high regard that because the leech knows exactly the amount of bad blood to take out and it will stop, it won't take out the good blood from your body. Mm -hmm. And so when a person is having this bloodletting therapy and it's not for everyone, it's not happening. Sounds a little gory. Yeah, it doesn't happen everywhere. Okay. Like, you know, it wouldn't happen anywhere outside of India. Mm. It has to happen only under the supervision of a trained Ayurvedic doctor, you know, with the practitioners and therapists watching you. You have to have preparatory treatments beforehand. So it's not like you just walk in and be like, yeah, you know, stick me, cover me with leeches. Yeah. But what they do is they <laughs> they they put the admin they put the leech on you, depending on where you need it. And the leech will stay there. It, it'll just be a little pinprick oh, for like wow. 20 to 30 minutes. And then they'll give the leech a little bit of turmeric or salt, which will help it um, come off the body. And then they'll give the leech a bit of medicine to help expel that bad blood. Because if the leech ingests that bad blood, well, the leech holistic. dies. That's holistic. Yeah. Looking after the leech. Yeah. And so in one of his hands, he has a leech. And when I heard that, I was like, wow. And we recently went to... Um, go over that is cool. Yeah, see? <laughs> we went to go over then Eco Village and I was just wandering around the Ayurvedic treatment center and I met someone who like had patches 
on his head and I was like, oh, what are you getting? He's like, I just had the leech treatment. I was like, wow. wow. So I took a little video of him and you walk there and there's all the herbs, you know, you'll see ginger and everything. And then there was a jar with water and a couple of leeches in it. So it's a bit far out. It's a bit out there and it's not for everyone. As in mm. that leech therapy, everyone doesn't what's, need to go through what's it. What's the purpose of leech therapy? It's like to what? purify the blood. If anyone purify has like uh, disorders of the blood, skin disorders. And again, it's it's very specific. You know, me sharing about this doesn't mean everyone should go and Google leech therapy, Ayurveda. Is you know they're going to do it. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very specific and tailored treatment. Mm. But what I was trying to share is Ayurveda, it can be cool. It is cool. And you may not like it. You may not be interested in it, but that's completely okay. Yeah. But I think it will benefit you. Where does someone... So I'm, I'm intrigued now. Like, mm -hmm. what kind of therapies do I need? Can you tell by just looking at me? Or do you need to, like, get under the skin and test the blood? Or There's a lot know? of different... There's a lot of different um, examination techniques that okay. are used. Um, so, traditionally, this would be done by an Ayurvedic doctor's. And Ayurvedic doctors, you can only be one in India. Really? It's a six-year degree, possibly more. So it, it's a full-on proper medical degree. They graduate with a Bachelor of Ayurvedic Medicine and Surgery. Wow. Um, and there's universities all over India. But currently, there's no facility to become an Ayurvedic doctor outside of India. So anyone you see practicing Ayurveda outside of India, they're either a doctor that has been trained in India and moved out, or people like me that... I guess I discovered Ayurveda a bit later in life. I didn't really want to spend six years in India going through all that rigorous training. So people like me become therapists, educators, counselors, practitioners. They don't know nearly as much as a doctor. And I will always hold up my hand and say, you know, I hold the doctors in really high regard because they've undergone a lot of training to know what they know. Oh, I love and that. people ask me questions and I'm like, look, sorry, I don't know everything here are a few doctors that I would recommend you to, you know, go see. Wow. So even in terms of assessing an individual, an Ayurvedic doctor would do a much better job than I could. But there are different um, methods of examination. There's Ashtavidhi Pariksha or Eightfold Method of Examination and Dashavidhi Pariksha, which is 10 different um, methods of examination. And a total of 18 examination that methods. You can use each, you know, uh -huh. one or the other. Then... It can also be categorized into three broader categories. Um, one is sparshna, which is touch. So the doctor or the practitioner would sort of, you know, maybe take your pulse. If there's any, right. you know, feel your muscles or bones, your abdomen, any digestive disorders. Then there's darshna, which is... I, I had that done. I went to, there's a place in New York called uh, Divya's Kitchen. Yeah. And Divya came out, she's like the head chef there. Mm -hmm. She came out of the kitchen and she just like, she's like, oh, what tea do you want? I was like, I don't, know, I don't know, just like herbal tea. And she said, oh, let me just take your pulse. And I was like, this is really weird. So then she, she just put her two fingers on the pulse and 30 seconds later, she's like, got just the thing for you. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is either going to work or this is super weird. And she came out with a tea and it, yeah, I had a massive headache. I was like, really not in a good mood, but it just kind of relaxed me. I don't know whether it was whether it was the pulse or whether she just had some chamomile tea behind the counter. But I, I had a real kind of revelatory mo moment there where I was like, wow, something there was, you know, kind of mystical. Def so pulse is one of yeah. them. And it's it's an art. It's mm. And you can't just like learn it, you know, after practicing. You have to practice, you know, for, for, for hours, you know, on many, many different patients. Wow. And they um, there's different depths of 
you know, they feel superficial layer a little bit um, deeper, then a little bit deeper, and they feel the pulse under different fingers. There are different methodologies within India, you know, some schools. schools Yeah, of course, you know, how they would read pulse. But so the first one I was saying was uh, Sparshna, which is touch. The second one is Darshna, which is just by looking at you. So, um, you know, the way you walk into the room, the way you're sitting, your, you know, your luster, your hair, your eyes, everything that also comes into play. And then the last one is Prashna, which is questioning. So then the Ayurvedic doctor or practitioner will ask you certain questions about your current state of health, about your digestive health. That's a big one about things that have happened in the past, your history and through mixing all of those three they will come to a conclusion of okay what's your body type everyone's all on about what's my dosha what's my dosha it's important but that word dosha can be has been a little bit misused why dosha technically means fault okay right deviation okay and what people are trying to find out is something called their prakriti which is their natural constitution. And that's something that we're born with. And it's a bit like our DNA. It doesn't change throughout our life. So we're born with a particular prakriti. And most people are trying to figure that out. And everyone has a unique combination. So trying to figure out their unique nature. Yes. Okay. Unique nature in terms of their physiology, uh-huh. in terms of their mental and emotional state, how they respond to certain reactions. Because then understanding your unique nature and you would appreciate this coming from a bhakti background, yeah. understanding your dharma, you can then live life in a way that suits you. Right. Because not everybody is the same. Right. You're not interested in Ayurveda. That's cool. I am. Right. But now I know what sort of sparked a fan in my life. So when people understand their own psychology, their own physiology, which is what they're trying to figure out, their prakriti, then they know, okay, these are the foods I should eat. These are the lifestyle practices that I should adopt. These are the foods I should stay away from. Mm. This thing will tick me off. This thing I can handle. No That's problem. how deep it goes. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, my first comment is retracted now. I do not find it boring anymore. <laughs> this is super interesting. Okay, cool. So when people say, what's my dosha? I like to rephrase them and they try to get them to understand actually what's your prakriti. Right. Not what's your flaw. What's not what's your flaw, but what's your unique constitution, your unique nature. But then the other thing is what happens as we go through life is that unique constitution, that prakriti gets imbalanced. It gets deviated. That's where the fault comes in. That's where the doshas come in. Yeah, the doshas are already there. They, ah. they, they're kind of, they refer to energies as well. Okay. Um, but as you go through life, because of things that you eat that don't suit you well, experiences that you've gone through that you haven't digested well, you manifest into a state of imbalance. Mm. And that sort of covers your natural constitution. And that's called your vikriti, which is your imbalanced state. Your balanced state is called your prakriti. Prakriti. Vikriti. Vikriti is your imbalanced state. Yes. And most of the time, we will manifest in our imbalanced state. Mm. Because unfortunately, we've you know gone through things in life. Um, that throw us off balance. That throw us off balance. For some people, it are, it's drastic things that throw them off. For other people, it's minor deviations. Mm, it sounds like a whole religion. It's like a you can really get stuck in here and make this like every detail of your life can be what throws me off balance. It kind of can be. Um, I try not to let it be because then it's just a bit like all she does is like talk about Ayurveda and see everything through the eyes of Ayurveda. Yeah. It's interesting 
I think it's important to take the aspects which work for you. So that's what I really try to share that just pick one thing from Ayurveda. Just change one little thing in your life. Even if you don't understand your unique constitution, even if you don't understand what's my prakriti, if you just make the change from drinking cold water to warm or hot water. That's the thing. That's the thing. I just had some cold water before we started. Is that a bad thing? Did I? It's not the best. It's not the best thing. It's not the best thing. Yeah. Wow. I want to do an examination. Could you do a little examination of me? Is that is that a thing? Okay, let's have a we'll have a little bit of a go. Cool. Uh, so, one of the first things, um, the most important things in Ayurveda is your digestion. Okay. And everyone's like, oh yeah, my digestion's great, yeah. but you know, how do you know? So there are a few signs for your digestion. How often do you have an appetite or a hunger? And do you feel an appetite from within, or are you just eating because it's a meal time? Right. Another thing is your bowel movements. How many times a day do you go? If you go every day, um, do you need to go with laxatives? Um, Some people need their morning tea and coffee to go to the bathroom. Uh That's Uh unfortunately not a good thing. Um, How do you feel after eating meals? Are you energetic, satisfied, clear mind, or are you lethargic? After what? Sorry, after After meals. meals, Yeah. Uh Aha. Foggy headed. Um, When you burp, is it just clear or is it, um, do you taste pre- your previous meal? Mm-hmm. Getting into details, <clears throat> even flatulence, it shouldn't smell. Mm. It's completely. My wife can testify. <laughs> <laughs> it's completely normal to yeah. pass wind, yeah. but it shouldn't smell. If it smells, that's an indication that your digestion's not, not working properly. Not in balance. Yeah, not in balance. Mm. Um, yeah, so I've, I've been reeling off from what I remember of that. I'm pretty good. Pretty good? Pretty good. Okay. And then with your, I guess, your physical body, yeah. you're naturally quite a tall build. Yeah. Do you find it easy to lose or gain weight or do you find yourself pretty consistent? When I diet and when I exercise, I do lose weight quite quickly. And when but you... I do also put on weight quickly if I stop doing all those things. Okay. And when you diet, is it like hardcore dieting? Is it like really restricting yourself? Yeah, just like uh, minus, minus carbs, no sugars, etc. Okay, so it's quite like... Intense. Intense, yeah. yeah. So you have a tendency to put on weight a lot easier than you have to lose yeah. weight. Yeah. And um, what Wow, else? this is awesome. I'm getting like fully examined here. And then your reaction to different situations okay. like stress. Okay. Do you let it affect you or you're kind of like, yeah, that's fine. It's going to... You know, things will happen. I'm not going to get too worried about it. No, I'm quite reactive. You're quite reactive. Yeah. Do you hold grudges? Do you hold things to heart? Mm. Or are you quite good to let them go? I'm quite good at letting them go. And do you feel... Kaylee, I'm looking at my, my sound guy. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I let things go. Okay. And then... Do you feel yourself quite a grounded person? Or are you... Do you err on the side of like... You're quite a bit in your head and in the clouds and no, ten, ten, grounded. yeah. And you you have a less of a tendency to go towards like anxiety, stress, fear, or insecurity. Think so. Yeah, yeah. You're you're quite like yeah. I'm quite secure. Yeah. Secure, yeah. Um, so from those very very few questions, what I would understand is you're more a kapha doshi, kapha prakriti, kapha dominant. Wow. So kapha is this energy that relates to, um, it's a combination of water and earth. And if you think about water and earth, they're both heavy elements. So kapha is this heavy element. Um, it's mm-hmm. the heaviest of the three. 
and it's responsible for many different processes in your body, in your mind, and all of the things that we've talked about, like you being grounded, even the, the fact that you find it difficult to lose weight, it's easier for you to gain weight. All of these are kafa attributes. And this is just a small snippet of, of a course. much bigger understanding of what this energy uh, relates to and what it does. Wow. But understanding then that you are more kafa, you know the things that you... Sh there are certain ways in which you should live that suits you better. For example... That keep me in balance. That keep you in balance. Because you already know that you have difficulty in losing weight... It's not about crash dieting and hardcore exercising, but maintaining some sort of, I guess, stable routine. Mm. So it might be that, you know, you have your main, your big meal at lunch and have a really light dinner. So maybe you make your dinner carb and sugar free, but have your lunch as per normal. Mm. And with exercise, it's really important for you to do vigorous exercise. So yeah, I heard, yeah, I, I heard you guys talking before. Yeah. So something consistent, it doesn't have to be big. You also like variety. I don't know. I don't know, but so much. But yeah, maybe you I don't do. like doing the same thing every day. No, nope, you have to change right. it up. So change up the ex exercise that you do. Oh. You know, don't go for a five k run every single day. Um, do different things every day. Um, you know, you're a very grounded and loyal person. They always say cuffers. They may not have. I don't know. Again, if this is you. But they may not have very a lot of friends, but the friends that they do have, they're like friends for life. Spot they're really on. solid Spot and loyal people. Yeah. Spot so. on. Wow. That was awesome. The reason I wanted to do that is because I wanted people to feel like it's not scary to get, you know, Ayurvedically assessed. You know, it's it's I actually found that super you know what? Everyone wants to hear about themselves. You know, and yeah. you know, when I I just went back to Australia okay. recently. And um, I went back to where I used to work and I was, I went back for a massage and my mum was like, go get a consult, go get a consult. And I was like, I don't need to. I know, I know what she's going to say. I know what I need to do. There's no point. Yeah. Then the last time I went, I went like twice or thrice for a massage. The last time I was like, my mum told you, cause she's friends with a doctor. Yeah. So she's like, she told you to do my pulse, didn't she? And she was smiling and she goes, yes. But she's like, I'll only do your pulse if you want me to. Wow. It, it's reciprocal. And I said, go for it. And then she took my pulse and we spent the whole hour talking. Wow. I didn't do the massage because I needed that. I needed that guide. I needed that help. You know, everyone needs to be coached. So don't think Ayurveda is scary. There's something in it for everyone. And just start small. Mm, wonderful. Let's turn the chapter. Let's look towards spirituality and maybe a hint at Ayurveda. How do they link together? Because it seems like Ayurveda's got to do with mental and bodily health. And spirituality is commonly known as being something that deals with that of the transcendental, the soul, mm -hmm. the eternal, uh, not just the material. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? So it's not a spiritual science. Okay. Ayurveda is purely for the physical and the mental body. Mm. But what Ayurveda can do is it can help you live a life that will facilitate and be more conducive to practicing spirituality, easier to practice spirituality. So it brings you to that higher platform, that mode of goodness, because you're focusing on um, eating things that are right for you. You're focusing on living in sync with nature. That's a big part of Ayurveda. Um, living in sync with nature. Yeah, the first couple of chapters of one of the Ayurvedic texts called the Ashtanga Hridaya 
is about your daily ritual, what you should do every day, a seasonal regime. And one of my um, teachers, who's a doctor in India, he told me that if you understand and you apply those first four chapters, you don't need the rest of the book because you will be well. Wow. You will be healthy. And the rest of the book is What's about... What's the book called again? Ashtanga Hridaya. It's Ashtanga Hridaya. It's in Sanskrit and it's been translated um, into English. But again, for most people, even when I sat down to study it, I needed the help of somebody because I didn't understand everything, even the English parts. What's the best translation? Like, If someone's like watching this or hearing this and says, yeah, I want, I want a copy. Like, Where were the... Amazon? Amazon, yeah. Ashtanga Hridaya. Hridaya. How do you spell that? A-S-H-T-A-N-G-A Hridaya H-R-D-A-Y-A Yeah, that yes. should work. Yeah. Hridaya. Cool. Um, so if you live your life according to those few, first few chapters, you won't need the rest of the book, which is about diseases and treatment. And Because you're already living in balance. Yes. And Ayurveda is it's primarily about living in sync with nature, living in sync with the sun, living in sync with the seasons, and in doing so, you'll have a healthy mind body, which then it's always easier to practice spirituality. Because mm. in spirituality, you're trying to um, connect more with your soul, disconnect a little bit more with your body. I'm not saying like withdraw from it, but right. pay a little bit less attention to your body. But you can only do that when you're already balanced there. Yeah. Mm. Otherwise, all you're doing is focusing on your ill health. Yeah. Wow. And like modern medicine is dealing with pain by, is it, again, you're going to have to correct me if I'm totally wrong, but by numbing the, the pain receptors, right? Like taking paracetamol when you've got a headache. No, Yes and no. There's many facets of modern medicine. Right. So a big part of it is, yes, addressing the symptoms um, in the first stage of assessing somebody, whereas Ayurveda will go for the root cause. But like say if you've gotten a headache, would an Ayurvedic practitioner not take a paracetamol? They would have other remedies. Okay. More natural remedies. Okay. Because like you said, paracetamol, they're, um, if I'm correct, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. Okay. Some, I think something along the line. So it's basically, like you said, numbing. Right. Um, and... That's not healthy for the body in the long right. term. Long I've always said that, you know. I've always tried to stay away from paracetamol. I was like, no, no, just take it, you know, it'll be fine. And I'm like, no, no, I'll just go through the pain. Is that, is that the it's right not, thing to do? You don't have to go through the pain. There may be a little bit of pain associated, but you can also do uh, use more natural remedies to help alleviate the pain. Mm-hmm. Drink more water, you know, gently massage your neck and your head. Take rest, um, apply essential oils to specific points in the body, um, have some ginger tea, different things like that. And even within headaches, there's headaches, you know, of different origins, headaches of different types. So it's not the one remedy for every headache. Right. We live in an age, though, that everyone wants one remedy for every every problem. And I think, yeah, in one sense, I can understand that we should be looking at more natural remedies, but I guess it's just so, so hard because we live in an age where everyone's running around all the time. So there's a place for Western medicine, and I, oh, really? I, I'll never dis Western medicine. One a really amazing Ayurvedic doctor, he's actually, I think, the first Western man to go to India and become an Ayurvedic doctor. His name's Dr. Robert Svoboda, and he's an American, and he um, wrote a nice article about Ayurveda. Is it a complementary or alternative health? And he said... Western medicine is there. It's, it's like a crisis-based medicine. 
if I break my arm, I'm not going to go to the Ayurvedic doctor. I mean, I might, but I'll generally go to A&E, you know, get it in a cast, etc. But if I have some sort of internal, you know, more, or if I have an operation, I might go, you know, I, I will go to A&E, you know, mm-hmm. surgery. But also origins of surgery come from Ayurveda. Wow. Um, they come, there's lots of texts which have all of these details about surgical instruments and when they were recreated in modern day, they were like pr- so precise. Is it? So the founding, the founding fathers of surgery, his name was Shushrata, and he is one of the founding fathers of Ayurveda as well. Wow, that's far. Out. Did you know? I mean, this is far. Out. I want to get some bad. Did you Did you know this before? So if you if you, and if you look up like modern, um, I was listening to a podcast as well. I don't know whose it was. It was Shivani. Um, Paul's podcast and yeah. she interviewed I just uh, got her on the podcast just like she yeah. interviewed a doc I think he was a doctor yeah um, a Punjabi fellow if I'm not mistaken right and he was saying the same thing that uh-huh. actually the origins of modern surgery are in based in Ayurveda with wow. a teacher called Shushruta that's far out this has been super educational but going back to Ayurveda and spirituality yeah um, where were we I don't know yeah. Ayurveda and spirituality. Yeah. It's about so like one deals with the mind and the body. Yeah. And are they mutually exclusive? Can you do one without the other? Like can you be a spiritualist without Ayurveda? Yes. Can you be an Ayurvedic practitioner without spirituality? Holistically mm. speaking. Can you really I, yourself call <laughs> oneself an Ayurvedic practitioner if they're not at all linked with anything spiritual? I don't think so. Yeah. Because even within the Ayurvedic texts and the beginning, there's a whole section on Sankhya philosophy. Mm, on I like, didn't know that. On, on how um, creation, you know, comes about and things like that. So I think all Ayurvedic practitioners and doctors will be spiritual to some extent. This makes me so happy because up until now, I've thought they're mutually exclusive. No. This makes me so happy. Yeah, so if you're an Ayurvedic specialist, it means you must have some sort of linking or at least understand Sankhya philosophy. Mm. What is Sankhya, just by the way, for anyone that's watching, both of you and I understand that, but Sankhya philosophy is? It's like the, you might need to edit this, I'm not very good with that's philosophy. Okay. Sankhya philosophy is like how creation came about, yeah. uh, material energy, nature, the elements, um, how it sort of all comes together. Comes from a divine source. Yeah. Wow. So... All Ayurveda practitioners and doctors may not necessarily see that it comes from a divine source. They may have a more, what's the word? Uh, Secular. Secular understanding of Sankhya philosophy. Mm. But I think to some extent they all have to have, they all must have some conviction because, you know, the beginning prayers in Ayurveda, we pray to God Danvantri, who's the God of medicine. And it came from a divine source. And that Danvantri originates yeah. from a divine source, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, so you ha- if you have faith in this whole science, you have faith in where the science originated from, which is of a spiritual source. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, I mean, one thing that you said that uh, Ayurvedic doctors all originate from India, do you think that's going to last forever? Do you see it ever becoming, you know, maybe an, a, a university of Ayurveda that could be taught in, in a Western... Yeah, possibly. Really? It, it would need a lot because... Six years, huh? Yeah, six years. But Someone even, has to go there for six years first. Yeah. 
then come back and bring it back. Mm. There's scope for in the beginning when I started practicing, I would be like, oh, I'm not a doctor. I don't know as much as they do. Yeah. And I'd kind of um, be like, should I even continue? Right. Because I don't know what they know. Right. But then I feel like there may be communication barriers. They know everything, but they may not know the most effective way to communicate it to everyone. So I like to see my role and I hope that it is being executed in helping people understand some little aspect of Ayurveda and applying it to their life. No, you're doing it. You're definitely um, doing it. So, yeah. But yeah. hopefully it expands all over the world in a way that everyone can understand and appreciate. Do you have a master plan? What's the next steps? Because right now you're doing it as a social media icon. That's definitely there. Yeah. Um, Do you see yourself having like a school? No, not a school. No? Maybe. I don't know in what way it will, what shape or form it oh, will manifest. manifest mm. But in some way to help masses of people stay healthy. Mm. Um, if someone is really sick, I always direct them to somebody else that knows more about Ayurveda. Um has more experience and scope in this area. But I want to help most people become healthy. I want to educate parents to raise their kids in a healthy way because when you teach them from a young age, those habits are set in for life. What kind of things would you suggest? Like if there's a parent out there that's listening to this podcast and is like, yeah, that, that immediately sounds like something I want to do for my children. Where, where would they start? So one practical thing, kids always have runny noses and coughs and colds. Yeah, that's it's my like, son all the time. It's like synonymous with growing up. It's synonymous with a child. Yeah. So I'll explain it from an Ayurvedic point of view. So I explain that quality of kapha to you, yeah. right? Kapha is this energy of earth and water. And as the energy is predominant in different things, in life, in different people, in different foods, it's also prevalent in a person's life at certain time periods. So the energy of kapha is more prevalent during childhood. The energy of pitta is more prevalent during adulthood. And the energy of vata is more prevalent during old age. Now, this energy of kapha is all about um, growth, building, stability, nourishment, lubrication. So it's already heightened in your childhood period. When you have foods that are more kapha, foods that are heavier... Things like bananas, cheese, bread. Kitri? Kitri, I would say not so much. Uh -huh. uh, maybe a little bit, but potatoes, really carbs, dairy. When you have foods that are more kapha, in Ayurveda, like increases like. Oh. So you're in a kapha phase of life. You have foods which are going to increase the kapha. So you end up with more kapha in your body. And excess kapha in your body manifests as mucus. As runny noses, oh. as coughs, as colds, as weight gain. So if you're in a kapha phase of life don't, and you notice that your child has is already starting to show signs of a cold or a cough, don't give them foods which are going to increase that. So the number one thing I tell parents, if their kid is having you know signs of a runny nose or a cold or a cough, stop bananas, stop avocados. Cheese milk. and yogurt. Um. Milk is okay if you have it with certain spices, but for the time being, even milk. If you stop bananas, avocados, yogurt and cheese and like creams and stuff like that, just for a couple of days, 
have give your child a little bit more lighter foods um a, a few spices like black pepper and turmeric and it doesn't have to be a large amount just a little bit ginger to help things to help break up that mucus mm. you'll see a big shift in how quickly they're able to recover from it wow this is revolutionary spring going into summer right now all of us are going i mean there's right now at the point in which we're recording this is a lot of cold season going through people getting same principle applies very same principle so like there are different phases in your life where different en- energies are more predominant. Yeah. Throughout the year, certain the energies are more predominant. Wow. So in winter, it's that kapha energy that you think about it. It's grounding. It's yeah. comforting. It's yeah. like you just want to stay indoors. You want to eat all that heavy food, right? Yeah. And then as all of that winter snow melts outside, it melts inside our body as well. And so as it melts in spring it starts to come out in the form of coughs, colds, runny noses and spring flus. That's why. Revolutionary. So then what should people be doing spring, summertime? Like what's what's the summer's pita, I assume? Summer's pita. Yes, summer's pita. Look, you you already know it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So one of the best things that you can do in the change of seasons um, as winter goes into spring, goes into summer, is do a little bit of a cleanse to just help get rid of that excess accumulated kapha in your body, prepare your body for the next season. Mm. Give us some tips. Okay. If you're going to, from winter to summer, spring cleaning. Yeah. It's very, it sounds like, oh, even your home. Because cleaning your environment, cleaning things around you affects your mental state, affects your physical health. So get rid of things that you don't no longer need. You know, I'm not a minimalist, but, you know, there are minimalist theories that, like, if you haven't touched it in two years, you don't need it. Get, Get rid, rid of, of it. it. Um, swap out heavy carbs from your diet. Like, if you are used to having a lot of breads, pastas, potatoes, start to have lighter grains, things like buckwheat, quinoa. Going into um, summer. Going into the summer season. Mm-hmm. Even your vegetables, instead of all of those heavy root vegetables, go more for spring greens, um, asparagus, bitter melon, bitter greens, rocket leaves. Um, yeah, things like that. Cool. Start having more herbal and medicated teas or waters, um, medicated water. Just What's to medicated help. water? Medicated water is kind of like a herbal tea. So herbal teas can be... Literally anything can be a herbal tea. You can put a bit of ginger, boil it in water, and that can be a ginger tea. That's a medicated water. Medicated water as wow. well. So the same thing. You can boil different herbs and spices, um, which will assist getting rid of that excess mucus and that congestion from the body in preparation for spring. So having a little bit more of that. And simple things like cutting out processed foods, refined sugars, refined flours. Um, is that throughout the year or is that just if if you can do it throughout the year obviously great but I don't specifically in the summertime you know I can't hold anyone else accountable to standards that I don't follow I love my food yeah I love eating out I love trying new things and yeah I'm gonna have junk food once in a while but during that time period I am strict on myself so you know take out a week take out 10 days to really focus in on your diet simplify your diet simplify your life um get in sync with nature simplify your living environment and get prepared for summer to come this is phenomenal great advice really really good 
By the way, I'm sure people can get in touch with you. And, and are you okay with people getting in touch and of finding course. out how they can be more in balance with the season, the season of life even? Yes. Uh, it should be really interesting. Yeah, please do get in touch with uh, Nuthi. I think these, these things are awesome. Um, when it comes to bringing up children Ayurvedically, mm-hmm. you know, we spoke about, uh, you know, dealing with colds and, mm-hmm. and, and mucus and whatnot. Um, where does one start with trying to build that as an act? Because it seems like, and I don't, I don't want to be rude, but it feels like a bit of an effort. You have to really be conscious about it. And almost like with children, you want to just be quick, fast and out the door. And I mm-hmm. guess that's even with adults mm-hmm. as well. You know, like we live in a, in a fast paced world. Um, people are always wanting to get their food in one end and then straight into work and then it's, it's job done basically. Whereas this feels like you have to be really conscious about where you buy your food stuffs from, what time you're even cooking them, what temperature. It feels quite scientific and quite um, an art almost. Do you have any kind of like tips on how we can start small? Like Yeah, definitely. Like everything that you said. Yeah. Sometimes I look at the Ayurvedic rules and I'm like, oh my God, really? I don't want to, I don't want to do any of this. Like, and every time, sometimes if I'll share something on my Instagram stories, like I'll, I'll share a pizza. I got like five people message me, but you shouldn't combine tomatoes and cheese together. And I'm like, oh I know, like I don't eat Ayurvedically all of the time. Right. I eat what my digestion can handle. I know if I, if I can't, I try to always eat pizza for lunch because that's when my fire is, my digestive fire is strongest and I won't have dinner. But don't get overwhelmed by all of the Ayurvedic rules. Of course, they're there for a reason. Of course, that's an ideal we should be aiming for. And that's the same in spirituality. We know the ideal, but we make small steps to get there. So pick one thing and change it like just change it so small. I, I I always refer back to this amazing article that I read on the Huffington Post years ago. And they brought out this concept of micro steps. So when New Year's comes around, everyone's always gung-ho about their New Year's resolutions. Yep. You know, I'm going to go to the gym every day. And in this article, someone said that rather than make a resolution of I'm going to do a half an hour workout every single day, he said, my resolution is just I'm going to go to the gym every day. Mm. I'm not going to do a workout. I'm just going to go to the gym. So every day for a week, he gets up in the morning, drives to the gym, walks to the door, walks back out, goes back home. And then the next week he's like, Okay, I'm already at the gym. I'll do a five-minute workout. No longer. Just five minutes. So he does a five-minute workout. A week later, he's like, okay, I'm doing five minutes. Let me add an extra five minutes on. Mm. And over time, in a couple of months, he's there consistently every day doing a half an hour workout where at the beginning of the he was doing nothing at all. But he made the change so small and so almost unnoticeable that it didn't feel like a lot of effort. Wow. So in the same way, pick one thing about Ayurveda or pick one thing that's really important to you. If you know you were talking about bringing up your children, understanding your child's physical and mental personality is a big thing. You know, take the time to do that. You also, I'm sure, try to understand your child's personality for other areas of his development. Mm. So you know where to sort of push him a little bit more, where not to push him or encourage him, you know, where t- he may need a little bit more help. In the same way, you can understand that about his physical health through the assistance of different Ayurvedic books, um, podcasts, courses. But even, you know, if there's something that you notice, look, he always gets sick around this time of the year or he, he doesn't really 
do well with this particular food. Just focus on that. Okay, you know, look, this doesn't really suit him. So the only change we're going to make is we're going to try and feed him home-cooked food all of the time. Right. Doesn't matter everything else. Right. But that's one change that we're going to make. So pick the area that you need the most help with. Mm. Find something small um, in which you can change, by which you can change that particular area and do it for some time. And then when it's part of your normal everyday routine, then be like, okay, I think I'm ready to add something new on. Mm. Is there anything in Ayurveda that you really struggle with? Like, that I like struggle you with? you just don't agree with, that you don't feel that syncs up with maybe both your spiritual understanding or your reading of Ayurveda? Is there any one concept or maybe a few or anything that you feel you have conflict with currently in your life? Mm. Anything that challenges you? No. Um, so there is a section in Ayurveda on meats. Okay. And I'm a lifelong vegetarian and I don't advocate eating meat to anyone. Um, but people have asked me like, oh, I thought Ayurveda is a vegetarian science. It's not. There's a whole section See, on... See, I, I thought it was a vegetarian science So that's well. why Ayurveda is also not spiritual. Ah. You know, it talks about meats from different types of... Um, geographies like from desert animals to water animals to things like that and it's you know it was um written over five thousand years ago and there were certain um races of humans or certain you know groups of humans that had a requirement for a lot more protein they the work and then the effort that they did they had that requirement right um i'm so that's probably one part of ayurveda that i'm like yeah. I don't really agree with it, and I'm not yeah. really going to promote it. We live it. in a different age, though, don't we? Yeah. So it's not really necessary anymore, that area, is it? No. Mm. You heard it here first, people. <laughs> Bring on the meat challenges now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so that's one area that I'm like, no, I don't really want to get into. Um, yeah. Everything else, I have faith in it. Wow. I struggle always, though implementing it because I feel like the way our society is and you hit the nail on the head before when you said every we want everything now everything yeah. is so fast paced um, that we don't have time to slow down and the, those times that I have been living an Ayurvedic lifestyle or eating Ayurvedic food I feel so good in myself but then the temptations of society are too strong and I can't resist and I'm like, well, but I want to try this food and I want to try this and, yeah. you know, everything's so convenient. If I lived in a rural setting where I didn't have to interact with anyone else, where I grew my own food, had my cow to milk, I'd be great. Yeah. But the reality is 99% of us can't live like that and don't live like that. So we have to be practical with which elements of Ayurveda we're going to adopt in our life. Yeah. Wow. If I ever become a multimillionaire, then I should hire like a Ayurvedic chef. Wouldn't, would that solve all my problems? No. Why not? You just still have to implement it. It's not about like uh -huh. someone just gives me the food and I eat it and I'll be great. Like Ayurveda is also about your mind, your intelligence. Like when people talk about digestion, yes, it's your digestion in your stomach. But that just digests what you take in through your mouth. Mm. What about everything that you di that you take in from your eyes, your ears, your sense of touch, and your sense of smell? How are you digesting that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, you know, Ayurvedic doctors or practitioners can prescribe you an amazing diet plan. You could even have an Ayurvedic chef 
cooking you all of this amazing food, but you have to do the work. Right. I love that. Wow. Same thing with spirituality. It's we can read everything, we can hear everything, we can take the association of like-minded spiritual souls, but at the end, if we want transformation in our lives, we have to do it. I've sat in your kirtans, they're amazing, but I can sit in them and start thinking of like 10 million different things. If I don't take the time and energy to focus on what you're chanting, what you're telling us, uh, on the mantras, I'm not going to get anything out of it. It's not going to change me. Same thing with Ayurveda. Amazing. Hook, line and sinker. Almost planted that one. So <laughs> she, she went with yeah. it. She got right it. Right to Omnov. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was awesome. I mean, to be honest, I had to come up with a line at the beginning to get people to listen to Ayurveda. And calling it boring, it was at the risk of me getting slapped on this podcast. <laughs> but um, I hope, and I hope that this has been an experience for both. Um, I mean, it has been for me, but also for you, the listener, that this has been an experience where you've actually learned that this is something that you can fully get involved with. And I think Niti is one of those people that I think is making it relevant and accessible. And I think this conversation was flipping awesome. So thank you so much for doing it. Thank you. Can we do some quick fire questions? Sure. Okay. Numero one, <laughs> what's something you're curious about right now? I'm curious of how technology has this ability to grip us, yet what we really crave for is human interaction. Wow. It sounds really deep, and I don't think this deep it's, all it's the deep. time. It's deep. But I know, like, sometimes I'm just addicted to my phone. I'm, yeah. like, hooked on it. And I'm yeah. like, what is it? Like, just put it to the side. I know I should put it to the side. I know it's not doing me any good, right. but I'm still doing it. And I'm like, what is it about technology that has... You should listen to my episode with TJ Power. Okay. He talks about this acronym called DOSE. Dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, uh, endorphins. And he talks about how it works, mm -hmm. the science behind why we're addicted to it. Mm. And um, yeah, it's super... I mean, you'll find it interesting. Okay. So that's one to listen to. Definitely one to be curious about right now. Um, number two. What's something you're personally working through at the moment? To do my best to resist a lot of the temptations in life that have the ability to take you off balance wow. in terms of what you eat, in terms of what you do, um, physical exercise, everything. Um, I find it really easy to like be swayed sometimes and I want to try and be stronger than that wow wow By the powers invested <laughs> in me. <laughs> yeah that's beautiful in short what legacy do you want to leave behind in the world oh it's, it's so hard to be short with that so. yeah I mean at the moment it seems like I'm all about health and Ayurveda which is true um but I want people to be healthier in their body and mind mm. so they can be healthier in their souls. Mm. Um, in that way, understand why they're really here and live with each other in harmony. It sounds like so like, oh, everyone's like, like you know, one of those world peace things. But yeah. that's actually that's what you want with everyone. You just want everyone to get along. Yeah. 
treat each other with kindness and respect. Wouldn't that be a wonderful world? Wonderful legacy. Uh, something you used to deeply value in your life, but don't value anymore. Other people's opinions. I used to really be like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And while they, you know, most of them were like valid opinions and they were for my, you know, for my betterment or like, you know, I, I trusted these people, but too many opinions can conflict what you want to do. Yeah. And so just picking a few people or one or two and just being like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go for it. Yeah. More dreams have died by the words. What will people think? Yeah. You know, so true. And the last one, if you could create one law that everyone had to follow, what would it be? And please don't say don't eat chocolate. <laughs> I love chocolates. I wouldn't yeah, say okay, that. Good. Um, I'm going to go back to that living in sync with nature mm. because Nature gives us so many cues of when to do what. And if we listen to her, then, and we follow what she says, then we won't be unhealthy and we won't be out of balance. There's this really nice quote that says, if you listen to your body when it whispers, then you won't have to hear it scream. So wow. listen to nature, listen wow. to the little cues, become aware of your body, you know, and react accordingly and, and put things into place to like, okay, you know, something doesn't feel, feel, feel quite right. Let me correct it now before it gets worse. Then we won't have to struggle with worse health later on. Same thing with nature, like rise when the sun rises, sleep when the sun sets. Simple as that. Like, you know, we've tried to artificially lengthen our day. I understand in winter, you know, days are shorter and stuff like yeah. that. But for the m most part, if we can um, be in sync with nature, Doing I think safe hands. Yeah. Wow. You've made Ayurveda cool for me. Thanks, Niti. Thank you. This has been a really upbeat conversation where I feel that there's been a lot of education and entertainment value. And um, yeah, I'm just deeply appreciative. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for being part of our podcast. Thank you. And um, yeah, please do all reach out to Niti for expert advice. Even though she claims not to be an expert, I think she's an expert. Um, expert advice on Ayurveda and um, yeah if you like this episode give it a follow give it a share give it you know spread the conversation further maybe there's someone in your life that you feel really needs to speak to an Ayurveda practitioner or even to take on some advice from Ayurveda that will help them to live a more holistically healthy lifestyle if you can't think of anyone it's probably you um, and yeah thank you so much for being here to listen learn and grow with us I hope this has been an informative podcast and I can't wait for you to join us on the next one uh, sending you all lots of love for soul's sake stay safe namaste